There really is no time to lose in making our businesses environmentally sustainable. But should people professionals get involved? And if so, how? I'm Nigel Cassidy and this is the CIPD Podcast. Now, are you really doing all you can to decarbonise your organisation? Six out of ten of today's biggest business risks relate to sustainability, according to the World Economic Forum. Yet, only around half of organisations have made meaningful reductions in their carbon footprints. That's doing things like adopting energy-saving technology, new working practices and switching to sustainable materials. I mean, it is a puzzle because... Of course, customers want to deal with greener organisations. Your staff care about this. So if company leaders are faltering on sustainability, is it time HR stepped in to identify poor practice and become change agents? Well, let's find out. With us, a senior banker turned board sustainability advisor, her mission to turn corporate ESG activity from what's too often seen as a marketing exercise into a powerful tool. She's Gilda Neiman, board director at Chapter Zero in Brussels, a forum that helps executives embed climate into business strategy. Hello, Gilda. Hello. From the home team, we welcome CIPD's senior corporate governance advisor, Susanna Hahn. She says leaders need to be given the confidence to initiate change. Hi, Susanna. Hello. And a return visit to the podcast for an occupational psychologist with a focus, among other things, on behaviour change in business. She's currently updating the CIPD's own sustainability guide, which she authored. It's Dr. Jan Maskell. Welcome back, Jan. Hello, everyone. So, Jan, I'll start with you. As I say, you were here when our podcast 174 probed the business case for sustainability. It's still there, still a useful listen. Uh, We had a real-life case study. We looked at setting goals and measuring effectiveness. We considered supply and value chains. But, uh, Jan, I think it's fair to say that sustainability actions within a business were, were really seen as strategic matters for leaders rather than HR. I mean, is that still the case? Has much changed in the last three years? I think that's a really interesting question, Nigel. I think it's not only a strategic issue, but it's an operational issue. And this is where HR will come in because HR professionals, people professionals, engage with everyone in the organisation at some point so that they have the opportunity to have that leverage. So it's about often about translating that strategy, and that could be the overall business strategy or the people plan, into what does that mean for individual employees? That's where HR will come in because they engage with people at all levels and throughout their uh, employee life cycle. Okay, well, that makes sense. Uh, Gilda, I mean, let's be clear, sustainability here, we're referring to an organisation reducing the environmental impact of its own operations and, of course, beyond through its supply chain and so on. I mean, most organisations, they've got their ESG metrics, they've got their ambitions. I mean, leaders must know by now that they've got to keep acting on this. And I know your own surveys have shown that. Um, So in your experience, what's getting in the way of businesses sort of revisiting this and doing better? Indeed, um, we held a survey uh, recently at Chapter Zero Brussels in the director community, and the most important barriers that came out of that survey were, first of all, lack of time and resources, competing priorities on the business, but really simply the climate is not being prioritized. A second barrier 
was the lack of understanding and expertise on the topic within their boards. And, you know, climate, sustainability, these are very, very complex issues that are transdisciplinary and probably require a transformation from many companies in order to survive in the future. You know, you wouldn't have on your board no one who understands finance. You always have finance expert. So why why don't you have experts in, in climate change and, and sustainability's impact on companies? So that is a second barrier. A third barrier is um, focus on short-term profitability and just not looking out far enough let's say that the, the typical perspective of a company doesn't fit many of the impacts of climate on the companies. And so they have they have to begin to look out further than the normal business cycle. And finally, um, a perceived lack of pressure from stakeholders. And I say perceived because I think there are many board members who still have just not become aware of how rapidly expectations are changing from all of their stakeholders, their investors, their customers, regulators, their own employees. And that has to change. They have to become more aware and supportive. Well, Gilda, that's great. That's a really clear explanation there of why organisations are falling short. But Susanna, these are pretty strategic things, aren't they? I mean, if you're talking about, you know, failure to invest in energy saving, changing logistics, all these things. uh, Why then, in spite of what you say about uh, people, professionals having these touch points with individuals across organisations, Is this really a role for human resources people to get involved? I mean, how do you get involved, particularly at a high level, in in saying, look, we need to look again at this? I think particularly if you're talking about the higher level, as Gilda mentioned, with boards not having the right skills, actually this is an area where HR has the expertise in understanding skills, assessing the skills of a team, and the board is just a team. So... I do think there is a possibility for HR to engage with the board and to help discuss, does the board have the skills that it needs, as well as do frontline employees as the workforce have the relevant skills to deal with climate change and the changes that will happen to the businesses over the next 10 years that they need to be on top of. Gilda, I mean, just let's go back to you on that. I mean, in your time sort of looking at this issue in particular, do you find there's a lot of interplay with human resources where there are these deficiencies? Absolutely. You know, I think they come in at, at almost every every stage. Because this requires a lot of change in organizations, HR has to be involved, first of all, at the level of educating um, probably every single person in the company and how, how can that be done? from all of the workers through through the board level. It requires changes in the organization. How will that be orchestrated, engineered, um, how to find the right kinds of people working maybe with recruiters to, to, to find them? How will employees be assessed in the future to, to work towards this new goal? Do they have the right objectives and the right behaviors? There's just so many things that that the HR professional needs to be involved in, in addition to supporting their leaders in what kind of culture they want to develop uh, in their companies in the future around these uh, new topics. Yes, exactly. I think a lot of the things that Gilda was, was talking about there are things which HR professionals are already doing. So I think what's important to think about is this is not about 
necessarily doing something new, something different, something to layer on what you're already doing, but it's about thinking about, as an HR professional, as a people professional, what do you currently do? Are you involved in recruitment selection? In which case, can you integrate some of those environmental sustainability issues into your processes? So I think people professionals can look at what are they, what's the organisation already doing in terms of environmental sustainability? And then how, as an HR professional, can I ensure that that's integrated within what I'm already doing? Um, I'm hearing from Gilda a um, few key words there about change. Now, HR professionals should be experts in implementing change, whether that's around organisational design and development or whether it's about implementing change within organisation. I think HR's role is in implementing those things within what's already done. So you talked about educating people in um, issues, so environmental sustainability, climate change. So that's an L&D role. So that's partly, you know, how do you integrate all of that within what L&D is already doing? So that could be onboarding, induction, um, professional development, leadership development. So it's not doing something new, something different. It's about putting climate change within what you're already doing. Employees are already trained in lots of things. Can we integrate climate change and environmental sustainability knowledge within that? And similarly, I'm thinking about um, competencies. So competencies run throughout the employee life cycle from recruitment, job, job descriptions, person specifications, through performance management uh, and appraisal. So competencies are a key area. So if you've already got a competency framework, can you put your sustainability competencies within that framework? Jan, while we're with you, just as you're the psychologist, I just got something else I wanted to ask you before we get a bit more into the detail of how HR can get involved. Uh, I just want to ask you this. I mean, when COVID hit, I mean, in order to survive the threat of a global pandemic, I mean, the business world, we changed everything we did, didn't we? Where and how people were deployed. The climate threat surely is a lot greater, yet we can hardly say that the response uh, has been so energetic. Are there any kind of reasons for yes, that? Yes, yeah. no, it's, it's really interesting when you look look at how people respond to crises. I think the global pandemic was something that we could relate to personally. So we could see how it could impact us as individuals, our loved ones. We could see the damage that it was causing. It was also a very abrupt crisis, whereas climate change is happening over a longer period of time. And it's hard to see because of temporal and spatial discounting. So I think the, the fact that COVID was something we could see it impacting on individuals, it was happening quickly. It was also something that we, we felt was immoral, whereas climate change, unless we reframe it as a health crisis rather than a climate crisis, people will respond to a health crisis possibly more than they would respond to a climate crisis. That's very interesting. So I wonder whether that might affect how people um, sort of get this issue across within organisations. Um, Susanna Harm, you've talked in outline about how uh, HR people you know, can uh, get involved in this. What is the forum or the process for uh, both getting uh, senior managers to begin initiatives and then galvanise people right down through an organisation? Well, I think with, with senior people, it's it always, well, all people really who 
always makes sense to start the discussion around what are they interested in, what are their drivers. So part of it is, as Gilda was saying earlier, lack of time resources. What, what are they concerned about from a business perspective? And then to link your concerns, your engagement around their drivers. So it may be recruiting enough good people in order to achieve the business goals, to expand, to move into new markets. So then how can you attract more people by showing that you are a good employer, that people want to come and work for, et cetera. So one of the, one of the ways in which people may be attracted to your company is to show that you are a green company, that you are environmentally sustainable. So that could be one way of engaging with senior management is very much linking back to the business goals. And Gilda, how do you get more engagement when you work with companies? Um, maybe I can talk about the the actions that um, that can be taken. First and foremost, it's the leadership. And I think that that has to come first and foremost from the CEO and the chair of the board. Because if your leaders take it seriously and say that the company has to change, that's that's the best way for people to follow. Just assuming you hire a sustainability uh, lead, sustainability officer, and they're going to go and do everything without uh, the senior leadership paying any more attention, it won't it won't happen. So, I think that's a, a first a first driver. I talked about education. I think. It's only through that that you start to understand the different consequences of different aspects. And um, we can't assume that anybody already knows those. Even I, I, other experts constantly learn new things through this because it's so complex and you want everyone in the company to start understanding that as much as possible. I heard Jan use the word um, uh, integration and that that is really key. And uh, what, what I wanted to say earlier is this is the area where everybody has to work together. So you have to integrate it in all of your strategy, all of your processes, all of your businesses, and everybody has to be included. So HR is a key partner in working together with everyone in the organization through their usual processes. That's absolutely the case. And how do we use those, uh, leverage them for the entire organization together um, so you can integrate it in the company and in your company strategy? Susanna Hahn, does that uh, strike a chord with you? I know you're sort of working on how the CIPD can um, sort of continue uh, sort of updating its uh, advice to organizations. I mean, there's an awful lot to do on an awful lot of fronts here. There certainly is. Um, there a few thoughts, I guess. So, so one coming back to the CEO and the chair. So leadership from the top, as Gilda says, you have to have that clarity that this is a priority. Where you have very mixed priorities, it's difficult to get things done. And I think that is another factor when we look at the pandemic is it was a priority for everyone because everyone was affected. The education and leadership development coming down from that, if you want to be a leader in this company, if you want to progress, then climate change is one of the things that needs to be integrated into the leadership development training. Already, it is mentioned as one of the factors in the CIPD's profession map, um, part of the business acumen standard. So HR does need to understand the impact of climate change to engage with the business. And then I think really thinking about employee engagement and how you can use existing processes to talk to employees, to engage with employees, to empower employees so that they are 
engaged and less anxious. Well, of course, you can also use a, a carrot or a stick, uh, Jan Maskell. Um, I was thinking with some of the areas of the business where people managers uh, might be off to sort of up their focus on environmental sustainability. There's it's the question of the p- performance reviews, isn't there, a compensation? And that is or ought to be based on some kind of sustainability factors. Yeah, if you're talking about um, the relationship between performance and reward and environmental sustainability, absolutely. Organisations need to ensure that their um, targets for the organisation and down to individuals, the objectives, are consistent, so they're all aligned. But also, if you think about environmental, environmentally sustainable rewards, you've got to think about, are we reward, rewarding the right things in the right way? One of the key things organisations can look at is their pensions. So that's often a, um, an important reward for people. So where is the organisation investing its, its funds? So is it looking at sustainable investment which is a really, really important area for organisations. And that's, you know, pensions is the one area where HR can have a key role. I also wanted to pick up on something that um, Gilda said about leadership and Susanna was talking about engagement. I think leadership is an interesting concept in that often we think about leadership as just being what people in senior positions do. But leadership can operate at every level in the organisation. If we think about role modelling, and ethical decision-making. So role modelling, if we've got people throughout the organisation who are demonstrating ethical and environmentally sustainable behaviours, they can act as an inspiration for other people. And this is where HR can come in in terms of the engagement and collaboration and giving employees a voice. I think there are a lot of employees who feel, well, What's the organisation doing about environmental sustainability? Because I want to do something, but aren't necessarily being given the voice to do that. And I think that's where leadership can occur throughout the organisation. The the whole issue of collaboration, which you talked about, obviously at strategic level that should happen. So the the whole of the board should be thinking about this. And this is where HR can come in and enable that. But also operational level. Do we need collaboration across different departments within the organisation, say between um, facilities management and finance or R&D and HR? So are we bringing those parts of the organisation together and giving the employees within those parts of the organisation the voice for what they would like to see happen in relation to environmental sustainability and behaviour change? Okay, and Gilda, does that chime with your experience? Do you find that uh, people need to be brought together over this? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is um, this is completely spot on what Jan has said. And um, indeed, our young people, if we want to attract them to our companies, they want to be convinced, but they also want to to have a say. And I think you ha- you have to be open to hearing uh, different suggestions, uh, finding ways to to get their voice heard, integrating them into forums that are discussing uh, the different options of the company and and bringing those ideas up so that um, the decisions that are made are taking into account the the good ideas of of their employees and making them feel they're part of it. Um, These are the things that are going to, you know, you talked about engagement and inspiration in the future and that will make companies more innovative. I'm glad you brought up this question of younger people. Uh, Susanna, there is this 
uh, I think, do we call it eco-anxiety that a lot of people feel? Now, uh, at an extreme level, if they think their company is not being responsible, of course, they might leave. That'll be a loss to the company. But I wonder whether on a more positive uh, level, that's something that um, people managers can use to bring people together in some way? Absolutely. So a recent study by the conference board um, showed that 60% of the respondents want their employers to do more. So there is the possibility for engagement with employees on these issues. And we have a couple of case studies on our website. I think Deloitte did some engagement with its employees to make sustainability part of everyone's job and to, to embed sustainability initiatives into the organization. So there are good examples out there that people can look at and copy. And Jan Maskell, we were hearing there from Susanna about eco-anxiety. Is that something that uh, you think about too? Yeah, I think as a, as a psychologist, I'm obviously interested in this issue. I think organisations have a role in terms of looking after the health and well-being of their employees, but also in terms of um, carrying out risk assessments. So are there um, any roles that might particularly be susceptible to the impacts from climate change? And to consider um, those health issues not only for employees, but through the supply chain as well. And it's interesting that HR um, in their CIPD professions map has some of these issues already covered in terms of uh, cultural behaviour, talk about enabling resilience. So I think that's something that's that's really important for HR professionals to think about is the health and well-being of their employees. I suppose, Jan, the danger is that sometimes it's easier to do the small things, isn't it? It's to get rid of disposable cups. It's a lot harder to do things which uh, are not seen and are difficult. I think you're absolutely right. Um, and a lot of organisations might focus on you know, switching from plastic straws to paper straws, whereas they're not looking at their whole supply chain and the you know, scope one, two and three emissions and how they could reduce all of those. But there's also a place for doing those small things. And this is where sometimes within HR, you might look at this and go, this is all too big for me to deal with. We'll start with something small and then something visible. And those who are um, interested and engaged in, in managing change will know that some of those quick wins can have a big impact, but they need to be seen within a, a bigger picture of, are we dealing with this strategically? and right throughout the organisation down to operational level. So, yes, I think you're absolutely right. Don't ignore doing the small things, mm. but make sure they're all uh, part of a bigger picture as well. Now, I noticed there you threw in some of the sort of basic terminology of the sustainability uh, drive, scopes one, two and three, which we won't go into. People can look them up, but essentially describing uh, levels of work that you can do. And of course, there is the, the basic concept of net zero. Gilda, do you think everybody in an organisation needs to understand all this? Because it can get quite technical. Not everybody reads the uh, kind of documents you would when working with boards, how much understanding would you say you need about uh, the sort of processes of reducing uh, environmental impact, uh, decarbonizing in order to do it effectively? I, you know, I think so much of what people need to learn is pretty basic. It's about basic science and nature and being aware of what's happening in our environment. And I, and I honestly recommend for everyone in the organization, starting at the board, but every employee in the, in the organization should, should have that 
possibility to learn about the science, uh, which is, you know, again, very basic. And yet so many people don't know. So I, I do think that those are the foundations of what everyone needs to understand. It's very different from what has been done in business until now, but it will become so important to the future of their companies and the environment that they will have to navigate in in the future. And so I do think we need to start with the basics. So, you know, every area little by little needs to also receive the more complex training that fits their role and, and the challenges that they need to meet. But at a basic level, uh, I indeed feel that everyone uh, in the organization needs some sort of uh, supportive training. And there was a good um, statistic, I think, Susanna, you picked this out, I found it online, to really demonstrate what it takes to make a difference. I think you quoted that uh, from one survey, this is organisations that have been successful in taking climate actions. 70% have uh, upskilled their existing board members and 60% have actually changed the composition of their board. Now, that's that's quite a quite a big thing, isn't it? That's a very big thing, actually, which comes back to the earlier discussion we were having on skills and particularly of senior managers and board members. And I think there is there is a challenge here about whether the boards that we have now are set up in order to meet the challenges externally that they face. And there are quite a few surveys coming along saying that CEOs and so on are questioning whether their company will still be around in 10 years, whether they have the right people in their teams, whether they are set up for success. Gosh, well, that's uh, that's that's pretty far reaching. And uh, I just wonder why there is inaction, you know, in the light of that. I mean, Jan, is this down to motivation, managing mindsets, uh, just feeling overwhelmed because of that possibility of the company? You might feel the company is not going to be there anymore. I just wonder whether incentives would help help i mean can hr devise anything clever here i think you, you've touched on a number of reasons there are any number of reasons why organizations might resist taking action i think it's back to something that um, we were talking about earlier about aligning um, these decisions to what's important for individuals and incentives are a really tricky area to go into how would you incentivize someone to take environmental action and i think it's appealing to the things that are important to them. So if you can point out that this you know, climate change is having a real impact on our supply chain, so what are the impacts of that? Personally, I would resist incentives and just talk about how can we enable and encourage people to take action through educate the sort of education that Gilda was talking about. It's interesting, once people understand some of that basic science and then look at what's the potential impact of climate change on my organization, but also what impact is my organization having on climate change? So it's that two-way process. They can start to think about, yes, it was interesting, yeah, my organization might not exist in 10 years' time. Do I care? Well, yes, I might do. Um, am I going to do something about it? What do I need to do to enable it to survive? So you're thinking about um, organizational sustainability. So is it going to survive um, the issues? So about mitigation and adaptation, what actions can we take now to address the issues of the climate crisis? But then also thinking, well, a lot of these things are going to happen because we get into those tipping points. What can we do to adapt to them? So I think sometimes just the education piece is sufficient to incentivize people to take action. But yeah, very often what I hear in organizations is, oh, we can't afford to do that. To which I would say, 
well, what's going to be the impact if you don't do that? What's going to be the financial impact now and in the future if you don't do that? Absolutely. And to try and avoid at all costs, Gilda, just uh, this kind of greenwashing everybody's familiar with where some rather small win is uh, exaggerated, made a big fuss of. And we were just chatting beforehand and you came up with, I thought, a rather interesting uh, explanation of why it is that organisations sometimes overplay really something which is not a big deal. Well, um, you know, the question of greenwashing, I mean, clearly it's it's to enhance their image, knowing that everyone's looking at this and maybe trying to find a quick way through a couple of um, small uh, initiatives, um, as we were talking about earlier, you know, the, the conversion of plastic straws to paper straws. In Belgium, you know, there's still company cars. Um, okay, we're going to switch them all to electric and then we're done with it. Uh, and that's that's not a real effort. What I found interesting in the survey that we did is that when you when you haven't explored and you don't know, you have no ideas. And if you're not taking holistic and, uh, and holistic approach to it, uh, you might not see what it really means for your organization. But what we we found through through the chapter zero survey was that companies that began to work together to explore what are their most important impacts and areas of their company that are uh, being impacted or might be impacted by climate change and started actually working through. So what does that mean? What do we do? The higher the percentage of companies said that they actually believe that uh, taking actions would save their company money rather than it being too much of a cost now. So in other words, the more aware you become, the less you're greenwashing and you're actually finding ways that this makes your company more efficient. As we sort of try and draw this together then, I just wonder if I can come around to each of you and ask you, you know, to just sort of boil down some of the many things we've talked about to things that organisations can and should be doing immediately. Uh, Susanna? I do think that having a look at whether you have the skills at the top is very important as well as skills throughout the workforce short and sweet and and uh, right to the point jan i think a thing you can do immediately is is look at what you're already doing so what's already happening in the organization that could be in terms of policies procedures accreditation so what's your current practice and how can you integrate sustainability practices into what you're already doing Right, so get uh, get more bang for your buck. And Gilda? Uh, and mine, mine would be to immediately set up some sort of first education session for your board to get things started. Okay, well, lots of uh, good advice there. A lot more resources uh, on this from Jan and others on the CIPD website. I, I think we've certainly concluded environmental sustainability is an issue for people, professionals, but I think, uh, as we've heard, it's all about re-examining every responsibility for its climate implications, and giving people the confidence, the skills and permission to make changes that bring uh, those measurable results. Uh, let me thank our excellent lineup of Gilda Neiman from Chapter Zero, Jan Maskell and uh, CIPD's Susanna Hahn. As always, uh, let me remind you, if you've enjoyed this discussion, uh, please subscribe so you don't miss uh, an edition of the podcast. Uh, but uh, until next time, from me, Nigel Cassidy, and all of us at CIPD, it's goodbye. <laughs>